Hey, what's going on, everyone? I'm Jeremy Lee, and you are listening to episode one of Reading the Play, the show where athletes share their story and experiences about life and sports. But more importantly, we'll break down a few of the decisions that they made so you can get a better understanding of their journey and where they are today. For more content, you can follow the Facebook page, Reading the Play, and to get the latest news, including new episodes dropping, follow on Instagram at Reading the Play or myself at Legacy. In this episode, we'll be talking to Dr. Kasama, a former outside linebacker for the University of Calgary Dinos. Doc has a fascinating background as he played football in Sweden before ending up in Calgary, so we'll dive into his story and reflect on his experiences, including entering the NFL draft and so much more. Well, it looks like Doc's all warmed up on the hot seat. Let's get it. Joining me in studio today is Doc Kasama, former outside linebacker for the University of Calgary Dinos, and excited to have you here today, Doc. How are you doing? I'm doing well, my friend. Um, I'm excited to be here. Uh, this is a great opportunity for both of us. Yeah, so let's get right into it because I know we have a lot of things to cover, and uh, your story is very, very intriguing. So going back into your early years, uh, you are born in Gambia, and then you moved to Sweden at a very young age. What was your first exposure to football? You know what? Um, American football is it's, it's, it's not the first thing you think of when you think of Sweden. But uh, for some reason, um, I, was, I was around 12 years old and uh, I grew up in South Sweden. And uh, during the summers, your parents send you, send you off to these uh, summer camps. And one of the sports that we tried was football. I remember trying the sport, and uh, it just came natural. You know, I knew how to tackle, and, and the coach was American at the time, and he would not let me leave that day uh, without my phone number so I could come to practice the next day. When did you realize that football was something you excelled at and that you decided to make it your main focus? You know, after the coach found me in my first practice, uh, or my first, um, my first camp, the following week, um, I practiced for two weeks. I practiced for two weeks before the first game. And uh, my first game, they put me at running back. And so uh, I had to run with the ball. And I, I knew I loved the sport when I was scoring two touchdowns my first game. And so after that first game, I just knew that this is something I loved. And since, since the age of 12, uh, I made football my main focus. But growing up, you played a lot of defenses back as well, or that's what you were heading into college. So when did you start to transition over to the def- defensive side of the ball? <laughs> you know, that <laughs> that was also after my first game. Um, so I did score two touchdowns in my first game of football. But I also remember running down the sideline, and I, I get this major collision. I get hit by one of the linebackers. Uh, keep in mind, I'm 12 years old. I get hit by a linebacker and I start crying. And that's when I knew that, you know what? I love football, but I don't like to get hit. And so after that first game, um, I asked the coach if I could play defense. So, so I would avoid getting hit and I can do the hitting. So it was an easy decision for me. So let's talk a little bit about going into your final year, you know, when you did take it seriously you're looking for I guess college scholarships or um, a way to play at the next level or elevated arena you know what did that process look like for you uh, to get yourself noticed because really American football is not that big of a sport in Sweden not at all I mean the major sports in Sweden is soccer and hockey playing football I I knew at a young age at, at 12 years old I had a dream basically and uh, I, I, I said that my coach was from uh, U.S. 
And I remember growing up, he would show me college tapes. You know, he would show me college tapes of uh, major schools in the U.S. from a young age. And uh, I knew that uh, one day I wanted to go and play um, and play college football and eventually go further. And so uh, when I made that decision, it was easy. So I focused on defense and uh, and just continued. And uh, it wasn't easy. I mean, I'm in Sweden at the time. You know, I have a dream to go play college football. I didn't know how I was going to get there. And, but that didn't, worry, that didn't bother me at the time. I didn't know how, but uh, I just kept playing and, and uh, made the national team. And uh, that's how I got some opportunities. Well, and the opportunity to go showcase your skills in Canton, Ohio in a game there. Mm-hmm. How did that opportunity come about? It didn't come easy, to be honest. Uh, a major thing that I left, left out was my dad did not like football. And it was very hard uh, for him to let me play football. You know, a lot of people don't know this story about me, but I, I, I grew up in Sweden. Uh, my dad lives there. Uh, my parents were separated at a young age. Uh, but in Sweden, I, I, I was removed from my dad and grew up with the foster mom for a major part of my life. And so uh, growing up in a foster home was tough because uh, um, you're not surrounded by your family. And so when I was playing football and I was getting good at it, my dad would not let me play. And so it was a, a hard struggle to, let my, uh, uh, to get my dad to sign the papers for me to play on the national team, which eventually led me to play in the, in the first uh, Junior World Championships in the history of football, which was in 2009 in, Can- in Canton, Ohio. And I knew this was my ticket out of Sweden. You know, I knew that, you know what, I'm, I'm going to represent Sweden. We're playing against U.S., Canada, and some of the best countries in the world. And I knew if I could do well in that tournament, I would uh, get some scholarships and I would have a ticket out of Sweden. So that showcase went well. Yeah. Uh, which led to a couple of schools being interested in you, that being... Southern Illinois University, the Salukis, and also the University of Calgary Dinos. Correct. In two different countries. Tell me a bit about the process of your decision-making behind like, how you eventually chose the University of Calgary. Yeah, after, after Canton, Ohio, I had two offers. Uh, one was Canada and one was U.S. And at the time, um, when I got an offer from the University of Calgary, I didn't even know football was big in Canada. So they asked me to, uh, you know, they asked me to come for a visit. And at the time, I'm thinking, you know what? They're going to pay for my flight to come to Canada and, and, and see the school. So why not? My mind is, you know, all of my mentors and the people that have taught me the sport have always taught me to go, told me to go to U.S. And so I came to Canada on a free trip just to see the country, really, not to come here. And, but when I came, uh, the team was really good. They just came off a national championship run. And the coach, uh, Blake Neal, was amazing. You know, he, he's a winner and uh, he really is a very good recruiter, you know. So he kind of convinced me to sign with UFC and not go, to, uh, not go down to the U.S. So I, I kind of fell, fell in love with, with Calgary and the city as well. So when I went back from my visit... To, to University of Calgary, I went back to Sweden and I kind of told my mentors and, and my coach, I said, hey, I think I want to sign uh, and go to Canada, which is, which is not what they recommended, you know, because I had a full ride to go to uh, U.S., which is more money, uh, bigger football and, 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 and so forth. But I, I was very stubborn as a kid, you know, so I kind of went against what everyone said. And decided to go to Canada, and I didn't even I didn't even go and visit Southern Illinois. I was that convinced when I came to Calgary that this is this was the team for me. So when you came to Calgary, you were listed as a defensive back. You played all over the secondary. That's where you started. Is that correct? That's correct. Uh, my career, you know, when I came to Calgary, I played at defensive back. Uh, that's where I was good at. My first year, I started as a, a halfback. That's what they call it. And uh, it was a great start for me. What was the biggest transition, I guess, um, for you between high school football and then right into university? Oh, it's a major transition. In Sweden, we play, we play American rules, right? You have Canadian rules and American rules. And I grew up playing, um, I grew up playing American rules 
in Sweden, which is a smaller field and 11, <laughs> 11 man football. So I come to Canada and it's a uh, it's 12 man football, a bigger field. But not only that, the receivers are running <laughs> in a forward motion. Right. So as a defensive back, that was hard to to get used to. So I remember coming to my first practice and the receivers are, are, are running at me. I said, coach, why, why are the receivers going offside? And he's like, no, this is this is legal in Canada. So uh, that was a, that was the biggest adjustment for me was lining up uh, as a defensive back and having to cover receivers that are running full speed at you. But uh, the biggest advantage I had was growing up in Sweden. I left this part out is that uh, since the age of 15, I had a very influential mentor. His name is Mudu Koli. And this is a guy who was in the Olympics for track and field. So he took me under his wing at the age of 15. And uh, he was my track coach and he was also my uh, strength coach. You know, so I played football. Um, but then on the side, I had this mentor and personal trainer who taught me how to run faster and taught me how to get stronger. But most importantly, he taught me the mental aspect of sports, you know, which was the biggest advantage I had coming in as a, as a first year in, in, in Canada. You know, there was guys that were faster and stronger than me, but mentally, I think I was just way ahead of most people because of this mentor that I had growing up. How does that put you ahead of other people with a strong mindset or a good mentality? Oh, because it's like when you play at a level of university of football, you know, everyone is as strong as you. Everyone is as fast as you. But what sets the, the good and f the good from the great is the mental ability, you know, is having to push through practices, having to do things that you don't always want to do, uh, being disciplined, not only with practice, but with my diet, with my uh, recovery. You know, this is things that I did since I was 15 years old. You know, I, my mentor, I had to write down uh, my, my diet every day. You know, I had to write down my recovery. I had to do all of these things. And uh, it, just, it just set me up, you know. And so uh, mentally, I was just, <laughs> you know, it wasn't easy working with that uh, Moodle, my, my mentor. He was very tough, you know, and he demanded a lot. And I remember growing up. And, uh, you know, I would always practice against the older kids. That made you mentally tough because I, I had to learn how to lose a lot in order to win. So in your third year, I believe, you mm -hmm. make a transition from defensive back to linebacker. Yeah. A, tell me what that was or how that came about. And B, tell me the significance about why that helped your career. Uh, that was a major shift in my career because I was a defensive back for the University of Calgary uh, for two years. And going into my third year, you know, I, I, I had a very tough, tough challenge after my second year. You know, in fact, after my second year here in Calgary, I, I was very close to, to quitting football. You know, I remember coming back from practice one day and I, and I, and I said to myself, I don't think I want to do this anymore, you know. Um, I've just had enough. Uh, I just came back from an injury from my second year and I just wasn't motivated to, to play football anymore, you know, but I look around, I'm in Canada, I'm far away from Sweden. I said to myself, if I don't play football, what else, what else can I do? <laughs> so, so I had no other options on the table. So I went to practice and, uh, and, um, the guy who was playing this linebacker position at the time got hurt. So he got hurt. He tore his ACL. And the coaches decided, okay, we're going to move Doc from defensive back to, um, to wheel linebacker. And that was the best move in my career because I had uh, Coach Wayne Harris as my positional coach. And uh, it, gave me, it gave me the love back for the game. You know, I had lost the love for the game the year before, and that move uh, gave me the love back for the game. And keep in mind, you know, that year was still to this day, that was my best year statistically on the football field. You know, I was the defensive player of the year. Um, I was an all-Canadian, and I had an F NFL shot the year after. So I went from almost quitting to, to then going to having the best year of my life playing football.
What was it that gave you your love back though? Was it just the positional change itself, learning a new, new responsibility, new assignments, you know, new techniques? Uh, what was it? You know, it was a new challenge. I was in a position where more was, uh, more was de- demanded of me. Uh, I came into a position where I was uh, the captain of the team that year. But also, um, I think the way Wayne Harris uh, used me, the way the coaches used me on the defense, I was pretty much, they were using my, uh, um, my strengths and they were allowing me to display that on the field, you know? So they were putting me in positions where my strengths really shined, you know? And I was making, I was making plays all over the field. When you're making plays and your team is winning, it just brought back the love for me, you know? And I think the challenge of becoming a, a team captain uh, also changed changed something for me you know it made me have more responsibility which which got me the love back you know that's a good segue into what i want to talk about next the leadership aspect of your time with the dinos uh so you were named captain starting in year three what led to that um (laughs) you know i i like i said the year before i was almost gonna be done playing football and then i switched positions and it wasn't, it wasn't, I'm, I've always been the kind of people I observe, you know, I like to think, I like to observe before I speak. And, uh, you know, on a team, you have a hundred people and everyone wants to be the top dog. Everyone wants to be the, the guy to go to. But I, I always believed, which my mentor taught me back in Sweden, I always believed you need to lead by example, you know, and, and one of my most inspirational players that I watched growing up is Ray Lewis. And he was the kind of leader that led by example. So when I switched positions, I didn't have a desire to become <laughs> the captain of the team, you know. But what I did have is to lead by example, lead by my play, and let my words, let my actions speak louder than my words. And so I think the the, the players on my team, they saw what, you know how dominant of a player I was, and, and I was consistent, you know. And so um, they saw the, the, the kind of player I was. But also, I think, uh, naturally, I think I've been gifted. Uh, I've been in a lot of position with, in my life where I've had to lead people. And so um, the team decided to make me um, one of the captains that year. And it was, you know, it was a great experience uh, for me. Well, and you responded by having the best statistical season of your career, really. Yeah. And you were talking about that consistency piece. Mm-hmm. I think that's huge, right? Like every team needs that solid leader that's in there day in, day out. Yeah. Yeah, correct. And uh, and for me, that's really when my, when my you know, love and my uh, experience for the game really grew. Because it's, it's nothing like... Uh, being a captain of the team of of a hundred people, when the players listen to they they listen to me more than most of the coaches, you know they looked up to me, you know because I was I worked hard, you know I that's that's how I grew up I was I was always disciplined with my uh, workouts and and in practice I practiced really hard, and so for the players it was really easy for them to follow me. And I really grew as a person because now I had more responsibility. How was it for you handling the pressure of being the te- one of the team captains? Because you have to be that example on and off the field and from maybe even before the season begins to after it. Yeah, it, it was more pressure for sure because the coaches look to you to lead the team. Uh, the players look to you when things are going well and when things are going bad. You know, uh, but I think for me, uh, uh, events before that uh, in my life kind of kind of prepared me for that moment and stepping into that moment of, of leadership. I didn't put pressure on myself. I think I already had enough pressure as a player. You know, I wanted to be the best player uh, in the country in my position. And by doing that, I think I could help my team, you know. So that's what I always strived after to becoming the best player I can be. And that allowed my teammates to, to, to do the same thing, you know. So I, I put enough pressure on myself. I didn't allow any external pressures uh, get to me. So I want to take this time to just have you share uh, maybe one or two stories on, you know, maybe some of the different ways that you saw people trying to earn a mm-hmm. captain's spot on the team. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you see all kinds of crazy things. 
you know, I, I, you see players that, that uh, every team has these kind of players, whether it's in Pee Wee or in the pros. The kind of players who, uh, you know, who love to talk. They do all the talking, but when it comes to performing, they don't, you know. Or, or when it comes to leading by example, they really don't, you know. So I see a lot of players that, <laughs> that try to become leaders by talking their way in, you know. And me as a player and as a person, I've never really respected uh, that kind of leadership, you know. When you talk before you 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 act, and so those are the kind of players you see on a on a, on a team. I always respected the leaders that led by example, you know, and the kind of leaders when you speak, everyone listened. Um, so that's what I wanted to become, and for me, that's that's how it was for me. And so, uh, if you want to know whether you're a leader or not, you know, look behind you and see who's following. And the, the, the ones that do all the talking and no action, <laughs> they're the ones that look behind and, and there's no one behind. But for me, I was fortunate enough where, uh, you know, people wanted to follow. And, and when I spoke, people listened. And so, uh, so you see all kinds of people on a team. You've always had a dream of playing in the NFL. That's no secret. For you, when did those thoughts start becoming more of a reality um, during your Dinos career, and when did you start taking those necessary action steps to prepare yourself to make that that reality? Yeah, I, I NFL was always the dream since since I was back in Sweden, and uh, you know, um, and so coming to University of Calgary after my year after my third year, you know, uh, I had a great year, Defensive Player of the Year, and All Canadian, and. Um, you know, I was I was working out for the draft. You know, I was working out. I, I wanted to get drafted, uh, and and um, at the time I had one option on the table, one agent that wanted to sign me uh, to go into the CFL draft, and uh, but I was as I was working, uh, I get a second call from from an agent down in U.S. who decides, hey doc, uh, we want to sign you to prepare for the NFL draft. You know, I didn't see it coming the way it came. Um, it's what I'm trying to say. You know, I was, I finished the career. It's very hard to get from the uh, the Canadian League down into the NFL. And so when I got the call from an American agent who wanted to sign me to train for the NFL draft, it was an easy, uh, it was an easy decision. You know, and it came as a good surprise to me. How did you get noticed by an American agent, though? Did you have you know, a highlight tape on YouTube, or um, did you have to go? Again, put your skills on display somewhere, or what did that look like for you? Um, you know that the, these agents, that agent, uh, he found he found my tapes. Uh, uh, I can't remember exactly how. Actually, he was watching. They were watching the that year in 2013. We were in the national championship final. Uh, we we played against the University of Laval, and that 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 game. They were watching that game for some reason. That particular agent. And so they were watching the game, and I had one of the best games uh, in the season that 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 day, and so I uh, ended up with a great game. And so after that game, um, they figured out my contact details, and they watched more film on me, and that's when they made the call. So they kind of found me through their own methods, you know. And then you also had a scout from the Green Bay Packers come up to watch you. Um, put your skills on display. Was that because of your American agent, or were those, or were there two se- or were those two separate incidents? Once I declared to the NFL, uh, the best route to go was to to you know I declared actually as a junior, not as a senior. So I had to declare in my third year, right, uh, rather than my fourth year. And so uh, so it was a bunch of paperwork, you know, to declare early. Um, but what happened is my agent, you know, sent out tapes to all the NFL teams. And uh, the ones that were interested, we put up a pro day, and uh, and Green Bay Packers were was the team that was the most interested. So they came, they came, uh, flew back, flew into Calgary, uh, along with uh, the Calgary Stampeders, to to work me out for a pro day. So that was all my agent, my American agent. Were you nervous? Um, I'd trained six months for the pro day, you know, of course, you're a little bit nervous when you show up and you have scouts from different teams. I had trained for a long time and, um, 
I was a little bit nervous coming coming into the day, but uh, that helped me to do to do really well. So after your pro day, you know, then you go into the, your your off season, and I, at that point, you've already uh, declared for the NFL draft. But you also had the opportunity to play CFL as well. And you were talking about you had two different agents, mm-hmm. one Canadian, one American. Yeah. What went into your decision-making process uh, of which route you wanted to go? You know, uh, um, as a player and, and, and as a kid, I always dreamt of getting an opportunity in the NFL. So, you know, when I declared to try professionally, I really had two options. I had one agent that was based in Canada who wanted me to get into the CFL, and I had an American agent who wanted me to, who believed I should be in the NFL. So when you have somebody believe that you can play in the NFL, and uh, and it, it aligns, it aligns with what I believed in, and so it, it was an easy decision. So I decided to sign with my American agent and not with the Canadian agent because... Uh, one person believed believed in me more, and and it aligned with what I wanted in my life. So take me through a bit about that draft process for you. You're down in Chicago. Was it at your agent's house? So my agent is a every every agent has to be a lawyer uh, in the NFL. So it was at his law firm, you know. So we, he it was me and a bunch of his players. Uh, but before we before we get there, I I, I want to add this to say. Um, <laughs> One of the craziest experiences going through the NFL draft, you know. Um, I had actually, a lot of people don't know this about me, but um, when I was training for the NFL draft, uh, the season before I'd, I had injured my knee. And, um, uh, you know, it was still swollen and, and I was training for the draft and whatnot. And, uh, you know, a month before the pro day, a month before uh, all the teams coming to Calgary, I decide to do an MRI, so I do it. I do the MRI and uh, keep keep going with my training. And uh, the pro day comes, you know, um, it's in Calgary. I go out, uh, I run a four or five. I bench seventeen. I I do really well. And uh, so that was on a Friday, Good Friday, April eighteenth or something. And on the Monday that same week, I get a call from my doctor, and uh, <laughs> craziest experience ever. So two days after my pro day, I get a call from my doctor because the MRI uh, results are back. And so I walk into his office, and, and my face is in the newspaper. So he looks at me. He says, oh, yeah, I see you've had a really good pro day. And I said, I mean, it was amazing. I, I did well. You know, it was, you know, I, I had, after that pro day, I had spoke, spoken with eight different NFL teams. So, so he looks at me again. He says, Doc, uh, I have your MRI results back. And I said, okay. So he puts up the picture and he says, you have a torn ACL and a torn meniscus. Oh, my goodness. So I look at him and I say, what? Can you say that again? He says, your meniscus is torn and your ACL is torn. You know, MRI confirms and the tests are positive. And I'm like, what? I'm thinking, like, this is, this is crazy. How is it possible that I, I just went out there on the field did all of those things that I did, ran a full pro day, and, um, and you're telling me two days later I have a torn ACL, which, is, which doesn't make any sense, right? So anyways, I'm 22 years old, and I have, this, I have this crazy news in my hand. The draft is coming up in like 10 days. I'm flying down to Chicago to go in, <laughs> to go in. and... Um, and I found out this, this, this crazy news. And so what do I do? I'm 22 years old. Do I tell my agent? Do I tell the teams? Because everyone thinks I'm healthy, right? Because I've just performed on the field. So, and, and the doctor can't really tell anybody without my consent. So it's like the craziest experience. So what do I do, right? And, 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 and so I talked to my doctor and he says, you know what, doc? Uh, it's, it's, you know, the tests are positive, but... Um, you're still running, you're still moving, you know, he said, you know, he, his, his, his recommendation at the time was, I wouldn't do surgery right now if I was you. So as soon as he said that, I decided, okay, I'm not going to tell anybody about this. I'm not going to tell my agent. I'm not going to tell any of the teams. 
Everyone thinks I'm healthy. Let's leave it that way. I can run. Yes, my knee felt looser, right? I knew something was off, but uh, I could still perform. And so, so I fly down to Chicago and draft day, right? Draft day. So I'm in Chicago and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm at my agent's law office with a few out of a few other players. At the time, the day before the draft, you get a call from different teams. You get called from, and I got a call from four teams. And they all say the same thing. You know, I got a call from uh, the Arizona Cardinals, the St. Louis Rams, uh, the Green Bay Packers, and um, San Francisco 49ers, right? And, and sorry, the Seattle Seahawks as well. So those were the five teams that were the most interested. And they all say, they all ask you the day before the draft, hey, Doc, is this your number? Where, where are you going to be on draft day kind of thing? You know, I say, yes, this is my number for the draft. Uh, I'm going to be in Chicago, right? So you get all excited because you have five different teams call you the day before the draft, you know? So you're thinking, man, this is going to be amazing, you know? Let, you know? let the best team pick me kind of thing, you know? So I'm all excited. I've talked to all these teams, so I fly down to Chicago, and uh, draft day starts. So going to the draft, you're at that party yeah. at your uh, agent's law firm. Mm-hmm. Um, what were your emotions like? What was going through your head? Um, I guess, spoiler alert for everyone, uh, you end up going undrafted. Yeah. But so that meant sitting through seven rounds, mm-hmm. waiting for your phone to ring. What was going through your head? What do you do in that time? You know, my, my dream was to play in the NFL and uh, I'm sitting there draft day and the draft is three days, three days on, on TV, seven rounds, like you said. And I get to Chicago on day one and I, I wasn't expected to, to get drafted day one. You know, my agent, I said, you know, late round, you know, six to seventh round or something like that, you, you, you know, you might get drafted. So I'm sitting there throughout the draft and uh, last day comes seventh round and I don't get drafted, you know. And at this point, I'm pissed off, <laughs> you know, I'm just pissed off because I'm like, I've seen all these players that get drafted before me and signing multi-million dollars deals. And uh, I'm thinking, you know, I'm better than most of these players. You know, I've worked hard. I've, you know, I've earned to be here, you know. And so, so at this point, when the draft closes, um, I'm just pissed off. I'm just like, you know, what the, you know, what the heck is going on? And so, uh, so right when the draft ends, uh, um, free agency starts, right? You know, now you can still get signed as a free agent. So literally five minutes after the draft, uh, um, I get a call uh, on my phone and, and it's the Seattle Seahawks, you know, and I'm just excited. You know, I go from being pissed off to now I'm excited, <laughs> you know. And so, uh, so I get a call and he say, he, the, the guy says, hey, you know, Doc, this is Dave from the Seattle Seahawks. You know, uh, we would like to sign you as a free agent. And I'm all excited now, right? You know, Seahawks just won the Super Bowl the year before. That's right. And so, uh, so I'm, 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 I say yes to the offers. I say, hey, I would love to take the deal. You know, and I give the phone to my agent to uh, to close the deal, basically. And uh, free agency is a business, you know. So my, you know, the whole game plan going into the draft, we were thinking Green Bay is the team that's the most interested, and it would be a good spot for me. And so. So my agent talks to Seattle and he says, you know, can we think about the decision for a few minutes? So Seattle says, yes, you know, think about it. And uh, we're waiting for Green Bay or some other team to call an offer, you know, so, so we would have two offers. So we wait for five minutes and uh, no team calls. And so, so I look at my agent. I said, let's take the deal with Seattle. And so he calls Seattle back. The deal was off the table. You in know, a matter of five minutes. In a matter of five minutes. You know, I went from having an offer to the deal being off the table. And back to being pissed off. Back to being pissed off. <laughs> and now, now I'm not pissed off at myself. Now I'm pissed off at my agent. That's right. You know, because I'm like, this is like, I've put my life in your hands. You got to make a decision. You just cost me my NFL career. Right. And you just cost me a spot. That's what I'm thinking at the right. time. Yeah. So now I'm pissed off and I'm like, okay, now I have no offers on the table and you made the decision to wait, you know? And so at this point, 
we wait, we wait, and we don't get any other offers. And now I'm, I'm, on my, I'm on my way back to Calgary, back to Canada, with no more offers. And so uh, I was so pissed off, you know. That's wild. I, <laughs> I waited and I didn't hear anything from any other teams. So I, I decided to fire my agent, you know. I decided, okay, you, 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 you know, at the time, you know, everything happens for a reason. But at the time, I was just not happy. And I said, you know, you, you made a decision that cost me this. And so I, I ended up firing him. And then you, so you returned to the dinos. At that point, were you still wanting to play? What was the reason for playing out your fifth year? At that point, I was so disappointed when I came back to Calgary because I felt like I came back empty-handed. And I remember telling myself on the flight back from Chicago to Calgary, I, I wrote something down for myself. I said, I said to myself, today I was not drafted, but uh, I will never let a circumstance dictate who I am as a person, you know? Don't let don't let a moment like that dictate how you're gonna live your life. And so, uh, so I came back to Canada, and uh, I had the option to go back, play one more season in university, and uh, finish up my degree as well. But keep in mind, I have a torn ACL at this point, which no one know, no one knows. The only person that knows is me and my doctor. My coaches in Canada doesn't know. Uh, none of the teams or agents knew about this. So I'm coming back and I'm facing a decision. Okay, do I go back and play or do I do surgery right now and not play? Or, you know, uh, do I play through the injury and hope to get another shot of uh, signing an NFL contract? And that was kind of what was going on in my head. You know, I decide, you know, the doctor thinks my knees, my knees messed up. We know that. But I can still run. I can still move, which is a miracle itself. Because I didn't even know you could... It was possible to play football without an ACL. Because this is the second time I tore my ACL. Uh, the same knee or different knee? No, different knee, right? So in my second year, I tore my left knee. And I had surgery right away. Within a month after I injured it, I had surgery, right? And uh, But this time, uh, I had torn my ACL, but it was undetected by the medical staff. Which is another thing that was... Uh, not great. So my, so my ACL went undetected. And then I found out two days after my pro day that I had a torn ACL through the MRI results. So now I have a decision to make. Do I go back and risk everything and play without an ACL? Or do I do surgery and then hope to come back? Or do I do nothing? You know, and I decided, you know what, let me go back without doing the surgery play on an on a, on a, on a, uh, my knee with no ACL and hope to hope to get signed in the NFL again which is now talking not talking about it that's crazy <laughs> you know that's crazy why why would anyone do that you <laughs> see what I'm saying why would you do that but that's what I decided to do so you come back for your fifth year mm -hmm. torn ACL yeah but you had to go for some uh, another medical clearance or another medical test back with the dinos, didn't you? Oh yeah. <laughs> and how, how how does that? How do you slide that? You, you know, past your coaches. It's not, you can't slide it. It's a matter. Of, <laughs> I go back and uh, now I have to go through a medical with the team uh, in order to get cleared for the university season. So the doctors knew that I had a torn ACL, but the main surgeon uh, was still willing to clear me. Uh, because my knee was still pretty stable, my hamstring was... The way they described it is that my hamstring was compensating for my lack of ACL, right? So uh, because of that, um, they decided to clear me. So it's in the medical report going into that season so that uh, the medical staff knows... Uh, my coaches get the uh, medical report as well. So the coaches should know... But I don't know how, how uh, well they looked at the report because uh, all they see is Doc is cleared. But if you, they really read into it, it, it says that I have no ACL. <laughs> but they don't have the time to go into detail for every single player. No, they don't. They, they, basically, what they see is whether this player is cleared or not cleared. So if you're cleared, that, that means good news. They don't look into it more than that, right? So I was cleared. 
I didn't want to tell anybody um, other than the medical staff because my teammates didn't know, the coaches didn't know. Well, they knew if they read the medical report, but it, they, they didn't seem, it didn't seem like they knew because they never asked me about it. You see what I'm saying? So I never heard, I never talked to the coach about it until I was done playing. And that, you knew the medical staff wasn't going to tell anyone either. No, they didn't. And so the fact that I knew the coach didn't know is because when I told the coach when I was done playing, when I decided to retire, he didn't, he didn't acknowledge that he actually knew I had a torn ACL. So my teammate didn't know either. And I didn't want to tell my teammates because I didn't want to have to go to practice every day and uh, having the coaches and my teammates ask me, how is your knee doing? How is your knee doing? You know, I wanted to just go out and, and play without people asking me how I'm doing. Yeah, you don't want it to be the underlying theme for your entire season. Right? No, you, you don't. You don't, want, you don't want it to be the center of attention, you know? So I kind of, it kind of went... I kind of <laughs> did not tell anybody, and the medical team didn't tell anybody. So nobody knew about it except me and the doctors. I believe Charlie Hassler was on that team as the athletic therapist, maybe. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. Um, she she might have known that story. She might have been. So if you ask her, she might know that story. All, all, the, all the medical teams um, at the time, they knew the story, right? So uh, they would take extra care of me during the season. But see, that's the part that I'm confused about. Uh, just the, even the recovery, you know, post-game recovery, how you take care of your body during the season. Would that not look different when you have a torn ACL? Wouldn't your teammates notice then, hey, something's going on with Doc here? No, they did not notice. Um, it, it, it didn't look much different. You know, I mean, you, I had to ice bat. I had to go for, you know, treatments and massage and... and um, all the stuff that I need to do. But one of the things I had to take, but I, if I, just to say this, I don't recommend anyone doing this, by the way. So if you're listening, I don't recommend anybody playing without an ACL. Uh, but <laughs> <laughs> but um, uh, what, 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 one of the things the doctors gave me is Voltaren, which, which kind of helps with the swelling and it also helps with the pain, you know? So I had to be on those the whole season. Uh, but I mean, I, I went out. I had an all-Canadian season, you know, which is which is crazy. I didn't have an ACL, but I had one of the one of the best seasons I've had playing football, uh, being selected uh, first-team all-Canadian. So uh, I, I, as a player, there are certain things that I couldn't do anymore, and because once you know a part of your ligament is missing in your knee, the hardest thing is mentally, right? Mentally going out and practicing every day, mentally going out and playing on a knee that's missing an ACL. It's a battle every day mentally to go out and practice. Nobody knows except you and the doctors. And it's like, man, I hope I don't do something today that's going to blow out my whole knee. You know? But yeah, that's a great point. Um, how do you get past that thought process mentally of play, playing reserved? <laughs> Yeah. And, and you're, you have to go out there uh, giving it your all. Um, otherwise, your coaches will know. Right. Players right. will know. How do you get past it? And because in the back of your mind, you're probably thinking, oh, man, I, like you were saying, I don't want to do anything that could jeopardize this knee long term. It, it's, it's the toughest thing ever. You know, that really showed me that the impossible is really possible. What I mean by that is I did not know it was possible to play football without an ACL. And, and, and I repeat again, I don't recommend it because I went through a lot of pain, but um, I played through it. And I think I was, I was stubborn enough to think that all I wanted to do, I had one goal in mind and, and my focus was to play my last season, win a national championship, but also go on and play in the NFL. I was so determined I was so determined in my mind, I was willing to block out my pain. I was willing to block out the fact that I was missing an ACL to, to, to reach my goal. You know, that's how crazy I was. But it was also a, a time in my life that showed me that our minds are a lot stronger than we, than we actually understand. For me to go out and play a whole year with no ACL and become an all-Canadian... I don't know any other player in, in, in Canadian college football 
uh, that has played a whole season without an ACL and and uh, <laughs> was awarded a first-team All-Canadian. But uh, I was crazy enough to do it. Well, and don't forget this. You were also playing under a new coach as well in your final season in Wayne Harris. Yeah. I mean, you had some familiarity with him before as your positional coach Yeah. back when Blake Nill was the coach of the team. So was that a big transition for you as well, or did things go seamlessly because he had been in the system for so long? For me, it, it went seamlessly. Uh, Wayne Harris is a great coach. He's such a smart, football-minded person. Defensively, it didn't change much for us because Wayne Harris was always our defensive coordinator. And so he went basically went from defensive coordinator to head coach. So defensively, it didn't change much for us. Uh, I was still doing the same things. And so playing for a different head coach. It was uh, a year of uh, a lot of adjustments, you know. And uh, I had to adjust playing, uh, playing injured, and I had to, uh, you know, adjust to some of some new coaches, you know. But uh, that didn't really affect me. It, it, it didn't change much. And then, so you play out your fifth year, you win all Canadian on yeah. no knee, yeah, <laughs> on one leg essentially, one leg, yeah, yeah. And then, what's next for you? So, <laughs> so I finished that season. Um, I finished that season. Now it was decision time. You know, now um, I graduated from university. Uh, I'm done playing football on a university level. Now I have a decision to make. Okay, who do I sign with? Do I sign back? Uh, at the time, I, I had an agent. At the time, uh, when I fired my American agent, I signed with a Canadian agent here in uh, Canada. So now I had a, a decision to make. Do I? continue to pursue professional football or do I go into something else and uh, two years prior to that season um, I had got some uh, mentors in business you know and I and uh, I, I started growing outside of football and uh, so when I finished that season in 2015 I went on a trip you know I left Canada I went away to think about my decision what I want to do with my life moving forward. You know, do I want to play professional football or do I want to go into business and stop playing football? And so I went away uh, to the Caribbean. I went sailing for a week, you know. Amazing, amazing time. I went to the British Virgin Islands, rented a 40-foot sailboat and spent eight, eight days on the sailboat with one of my mentors. And so during that time away, it was really for me to decide what I wanted to do with my future. And I really took my time to just think and, and listen to my heart, you know. And uh, everybody in my life at the time was telling me, I'm just coming off an all-Canadian season. Everybody's telling me, Doc, you know, you should play professional football, CFL or NFL. That's what every, everyone wants me to do. But in my heart, I knew something had changed, you know. I knew that my knee wasn't the same anymore. Um, I couldn't really do everything that I wanted on the field. And I knew I really did not want to do another surgery, ACL surgery, to then continue playing football. So if I was going to continue to play football, I was going to continue with one knee, basically. I did not want to do surgery at the time. So I went away and I decided, you know what? In my heart, even though everyone wants me to play football, in my heart, I knew that I was done. You know, I knew that there was something more out there for me. And I knew that business was one of my passions. And so uh, after coming back from that trip, I called my agent and I, I, I tell my agent, I said, you know what? I've decided to, to not pursue professional football and I've decided to move into business. And uh, that was a great decision in my life because... Um, uh, I have the same passion for business and entrepreneurship that I have for football. So I was able to translate all that passion I had. I was really lucky because a lot of players, when you decide to stop playing, it's very hard to find something else to do or to put your passion into. Because I used to spend six, six seven hours a day uh, working on the game of football. So what was I going to do with all that time? But I had a, an, another passion, which was business and entrepreneurship. And um, I was able to transition into that um, with the people and, and mentors I had in my life, which, uh, which was a, 
a very good transition for me because I love business as much as I, as much as I loved football. Final question for you here, Doc. What did your time with the University of Calgary Dinos and football teach you about life after it and your transition into into business? Um, that's a great question. One of the biggest things football taught me in my time with the University of Calgary is is the opportunity to play on a team of 100 people and the opportunity to be the captain for three years uh, you're in a you're in a position as the captain, one of the captains of the team. You're in a position where you're leading a team of a hundred people, a hundred men, you know, that are all working towards one goal, you know. And these were people that that looked up to me as a captain to to help them to help us get towards that goal. So I had the coaches look up to me as well as my teammates. So when you're in that position, very few people. Uh, ever gets to be in that position in this lifetime. What I mean by that is it's, it's only CEOs of very big companies ever get to be in a position where they're leading a team of 100 people towards one goal, you know? And I was able to be in that position uh, of influence for three years with the university. And so that really grew me as a person uh, in leadership, you know? Uh, it grew me and it taught me how to influence people. It taught me how to how to work towards one goal, you know. And so when I transitioned into business uh, at 25 years old, uh, I started a, a business called Education Solutions Canada. And um, as the founder and president of the business, I have two other directors that are twice my age. I'm 25 years old. I have two directors that work for the company that are twice my age and I have seven shareholders and I was able to put all of this together uh, because of what football taught me and because of being a, a, in a position of influence and, and leadership. Okay, thanks so much for joining us on Reading the Play, Doc. That was an awesome interview. Um, where can people find you on social media? Um, they can find me on, 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 on Facebook, doc, doc underscore Kasama, or, or they can find me on Instagram, same thing, doc underscore Kasama. And, um, and yeah, uh, um, um, the business I have is educationsolutionscanada.com, and um, they can find me there as well. Yeah, that's, that sounds like an amazing business venture and uh, a great thing that you're doing for all universities throughout mm-hmm. Canada and the United States. So yeah. maybe we'll save that conversation for another time. We will, we will. Thank you, thank you, Jeremy, uh, for having me. It's, it's been a great pleasure learning from you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Reading the Play. To stay up to date on the latest RTP news, including new episodes, follow us on Instagram at readingtheplay.com and myself, Jeremy Lee, at lee.gacy. And check out our Facebook page, Reading the Play. And as always, make sure you win your day, and I'll catch you in the next episode.